0: We are in Acts chapter 2. There, we're going to start actually at verse 36, and I'll get to that in just a minute. been thinking a lot about sharing. And that's why this sermon series on being bold. And as we read through Acts, it talks about how they went boldly sharing their faith. And I was thinking about sharing, I was thinking about how we share, and I started thinking extra more about uh, Facebook. Facebook's got its problems. A lot of you avoid it. You're probably wise for that. But it is one way that I keep up with family. Recently, I saw my sister had posted a picture she was sharing about having visited with her daughter's in-laws, and they were walking on the beach in Florida. She has that enviable enviable lifestyle of living on the Gulf Coast in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And uh, it was neat to see that. And then I saw a picture from my niece showing her out in the woods of North Carolina in the mountains there, walking with one of her daughters and enjoying God's creation. And I'd probably never hear from Nicole if I didn't see that picture. And then I thought more locally. I thought about some that you've shared. Recently, we we had one of them share about that she's expecting her first child. And many of you posted, congratulations, it's good news. When you look at Lewis and Christy, you can see them beaming from ear to ear as they've got two grandchildren coming this year. And uh, you catch Lewis on another day, he may be going like this. but. But uh, he's got joy in his heart, too, and I know the two of them can't wait to hold those little bundles. But they share. Some of the others of you, have, we've had some that traveled to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and they shared pictures there of the great time they had up there. And and I was seeing Melody and John down in Florida at the other end of of our country, sharing about being in Holmes Beach and, and other places. But... We like to share, really. You know, that's one of the things that happens when you can get past all the junk that Facebook wants to throw on there. Our friends share about what's going on. Different ones share good things. It's really natural for us to want to share with people neat stuff that's happening. We also share troubles. We've got a friend of my daughter's whose dad was a professor at University of the Cumberlands, and he's gravely ill. And so I was able to read what she posted about that, and I was able and am able to keep him in prayer and to let her know, as, as many others have, of praying for him. He's, he's very close. Could go the wrong way. Someone came to me this morning, shared some good news about finding a place to live. We like to share. We're, we're communicating type people, us humans. We want to. Sometimes we're reserved, we hold back. Different ones of us are extroverts. Uh, I'm an introvert. I get amazed with my wife who's an extrovert. We can be somewhere and She'll be talking to somebody, and then we'll get in the car later on and she'll be telling me all about them and She hadn't been with them five minutes and I'll ask her, how on earth did you cover all that? I could know that person a year and not know all that about them, but she just opens up and shares, and they share with her We are share we like to share unfortunately, sometimes we get shut down because of reactions we get from people, but by and large, in our core, we like to share good things going on with those around us. And if it's really great, we'll tell a complete stranger something that's happening to us in our life. I could, I could ask some of y'all about a football game, your football team, and you'd be able to tell me blow by blow I could ask Lloyd Lord about his last fishing trip, and he'd tell me every lure he did and everything going on. We're a sharing people. But then it concerns me because I think, well, why aren't we sharing Jesus? Why don't we talk about Him more? Why aren't we that light on a lampstand? Light of the world, Jesus said. You're the salt of the earth. And Jesus, who has done so much for us, and as I prayed earlier, we don't know how much God has done for us. We see through a glass darkly, Paul wrote. We see some incidences in our life, and we can recognize His hand. But we don't see all that He does. I'm convinced of that. Just at the right time, a word of encouragement comes. Just at the right time, A little extra comes in the checking account. Just at the right time, a friend shows up to lend a hand. Those are not coincidences, they're God incidences. He knows when we need that. Jesus, of course, came at the right time, Paul wrote, to bring us salvation, did what we needed in order to have eternal life, to have fellowship with God. And so we cannot underestimate just how good God has been to us, what He's done for us. And He asks us to share that with other people. He asks us to tell them. And yet we're hesitant. We're withdrawn. We worry how we'll be received. We worry about their reaction. And we end up worrying about the ones on Earth who, in a way, don't matter. Yes, they matter to our psyche. And then we'll offend the one who has the keys to heaven and hell. It it doesn't make much logical sense, really. But we do that. And I, I continue to ponder why that could be. And one of the things is, is simply don't know Him. If you don't know Him, you can't talk about Him. And we can think, and, and, and Jesus covered it in the Sermon on the Mount and other places. We can think because we're going through all of these religious activities that we do know Him. We do have a relationship. But people came to Jesus and they say, Lord, didn't we cast out devils in Your name? Didn't we, didn't we heal? Didn't we do all these things? And you remember what Jesus said? depart from me for I never knew you so we can do a lot of good acts we can we can have the right face on we can we can get the impression upon other people that we are faithful and religious but Jesus knows the heart and and he knows that it's not really his and so Jesus said that to him that was as, as sweet as Jesus is and mild as He is, that's a harsh thing to have to hear one day. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Does Jesus know you? Do you know Jesus? So that's the start of it. And then another reason we don't share is we've kind of grown lukewarm in our faith. Revelation, Jesus talks about that in Revelation. He says, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth." Again, not a pretty picture. And I was thinking of that word lukewarm this week again. And I'm thinking, you know, one thing we could kind of make a synonym of that is mediocre. We get satisfied with the mediocre. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that more abundant. Jesus said to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem, until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will receive power to go from Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Jesus intends for us to live a life of victory. Paul said, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us so. Again, not in our own strength, in His strength. And so that's a different view of, of of how we experience Christianity. God is saying it should be this magnificent thing that your life should be so radiant that people wonder what on earth is going on. And you have the opportunity to tell them. And yet we satisfy ourselves with a mediocre life. Part of it comes we believe the lies of the enemy. You're not worth it. You don't know what you're doing. You can't tell anything but you can tell your story. Your story is really simple. Where I was before I knew Christ. How I came to know Christ. My life after Christ. And you know the beautiful thing about that story? It's your story. I may disbelieve it, but you know it's real. I can say that couldn't have happened, but you did. It did happen with you. No one can take your story away. Do you have a story? Do you have those three points where you can say my life was a a mess? Or I grew up in a Christian home, but I came to Jesus through a sermon, through a friend, through reading His Word, and He entered my heart. And since that time, He's met my needs. I have a new home in glory. And I know that. I don't fear death. I may fear dying, but I don't fear death because I know what the destination is. So we need to know that we have a story and we can share that. Yes, it's good to know the Scriptures. Yes, to be able to to quote them is wonderful. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For there is none righteous, know that one. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. Yes, I can spout them. I'm part of my job. But I tell you what, I was doing it long before my job. At camp, I told you about before, before government got in and messed things up, they used to come into the elementary schools in northwest Florida. I went to Bonifay Elementary. And Eugene Hedger would come once every month or two. And all of us children would crowd into the auditorium. And he would do those chalk drawings. Any of you ever seen them where they have an ultraviolet light and they'll draw. Then they hit the light and something else pops out and they'll flip that over. Flannel graphs, different things. He would tell the story about God. there in school. All of the school children heard it. Well, one of the other things they did was you could ask for, and you would get a little postcard, about a 5 8 postcard, and on it were 300 Scripture references. And your challenge was to memorize those 300 verses and quote them to somebody. Now, they didn't mean that you had to be able to stand and rattle off 300, but at some point you had learned those verses And you had quoted them, and and when he would come, he may say, okay, now tell me Romans 5, 8, or or Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And I started that many years as a boy before I even thought about being a minister, memorizing those scriptures. And so, yes, I, I have that in me, and I have forgotten more than I remember anymore. But the memorizing scripture, knowing God's word, is so beneficial because it gets and it stays within you. And when problems come up, God can bring that verse to mind and you can say it and you can be reminded. So memorizing scripture. But it's good to have that ability. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing people respond to is your heart where you say, in essence, I once was lost, but now I'm found, and I'm on the upward path. Amazing grace, that's why people love the song so much. Sharing, and that's what God calls us to do. And that's what happened in the book of Acts. We ended last week with verse 13. The Holy Spirit came down. He gave them the ability to speak in the tongues of various languages around them. People could hear the Gospel. But the Bible's so good because it doesn't just tell you the wonderful part. Verse 13 shows the heart of the world. When it says, I wasn't going to read it, so let me get back to it. It says, Some, however, made fun of them, They have had too much wine. The world is ready to mock. It is. It's ready to mock us for our faith. It's ready to say we're simpletons. But they're the simpletons. They're trusting in something that's not real. You're trusting in an almighty God if you have done that. So our text today picks up with Peter addressing that. Peter was kind of the lead disciple at the time. And and he stands up and he says, let me tell you something, they're not drunk. They're filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to recount what had happened in Jerusalem over the last couple of months. And he goes through the whole account of how Jesus came and taught and how He was uh, wrongly accused and tortured before uh, Pilate and Herod and how he was ultimately crucified on the cross. He's telling this whole story. And we'll pick up in verse 36, where he's starting to summarize. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord in Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? The message got to them. Peter was very bold. Uh, he's standing up before him. He's saying, Look, you murdered this guy. But that didn't stop him. He rose on high. And it cut them to the quick, some of them. And they responded, What do we do? And Peter seized the moment when he replied, Repent, change your ways. Repenting is going this direction and turning and going the other direction. It's not continuing in this direction, but saying you believe this. It's not keeping on the old path, but saying you believe in Jesus. It's rejecting all that, it's turning from all those ways and turning to Him. He tells them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Baptism is that moment that testifies to those watching their affiliation as a Christian with the Christian body with Christ. Do it every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you do this, if you repent, if you baptize, you're going to receive this gift that's empowering us, that is enabling us to speak in these or to be heard in these varying languages. You'll receive that same power. And it comes on you at that moment. You don't have to wait for Pentecostal pouring out power. When you open your heart to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit enters in. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off." You see, they still had this mindset that this was for the Jerusalem, for the nation of Israel. But Peter, is, in a way, is prophesying that it's for those far off, other lands. He didn't know later he was going to be told to go into Europe. He actually balked at it a little bit until Jesus set him straight. But he was also talking far off in time because Jesus' salvation is for all time. So he says this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off for whom the Lord our God will call. Peter wrote later, for God is not willing that any should perish but that all might come to eternal life. Verse 40, with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them. You see, they didn't all of them automatically buy it. But he pleaded with them. He knew the cost of not accepting Jesus Christ. He had walked with Jesus. He had heard what Jesus said was the result of a life apart from God. And really was the result of staying in the life apart from God because, as John 3, 17 and 18 tells us, We are condemned already. Jesus came to bring us salvation. So he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number daily. uh, Peter preached that bold message of Jesus Christ. And people responded. Now, I don't know how many were in the city that day. I don't know how many heard His voice. I know not everybody responded because I understand human nature. 3,000 perhaps was a drop in the bucket. There might have been 30,000 in that town. But 3,000 souls entered into eternity with God that day because they heard the message, they responded, They turned from their wicked ways and accepted this Jesus Christ who was crucified. Let's go down to verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They didn't have a church building, they had houses. Some of them would meet in houses, but houses aren't going to hold 3,000 people. So they went to the temple. The temple court, the inner courts of the temple, were only for the Jewish people. But the outer court, called the Court of the Gentiles, anybody could come in. I suspect that's where they met. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. People saw a difference. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." God continued the work. But it started with that sharing, with that telling the story of Jesus Christ, with that, to them, something that was very real and they knew what had happened. They may have stood there and watched the Romans crucify, Jesus on the cross. And Peter explained it to them. Our verse in the uh, Gospel moment, if you can bring that up, Drew, talks about... Read that along with me. I meant to do that. I I get discombobulated. Read it with me now. How then can they call on the One they have not believed in And how can they believe in the One of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Simple logic. We can't expect somebody to respond to Jesus if they haven't heard about Him. We can't expect somebody to live for Christ if they hadn't heard about Him. And how are they going to hear about Him? Somebody's got to tell them. Now, we may say, well, I, I don't preach. Nah. You, When you're sharing about Christ, we do preach to each other. <laughs> don't you drive so fast. Quit using them drugs. You ought to quit smoking. That's all preaching, folks. <laughs> it's sharing with another. It's telling them. But how can they respond if someone doesn't tell them? And you know the mysterious thing of God. He knows, he, he knows how frail we are, but He gave us the job. For you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, John 15, 16. Jesus, in choosing you, in telling you of how to know Him, how to gain salvation, how to get eternal life, at that moment, that He introduced Himself to you through a preacher, through a deacon, through a mom or dad, through any number of ways. I've known people that told me they read the book of Revelation and it spoke to them. God reveals Himself. At that moment, you're chosen to be part of the family. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. But that family, like every family, has responsibilities. And it's to share with others about Jesus Christ. And we need to do that boldly. We need to quit listening to the lies of the enemy. We need to quit listening to the lies of the culture. They're not going to like it. But you know what? What's interesting to me is the world who rejects what we believe in, expects us to live what we believe in they expect us to do as we say we're believe in doing odd funny they would do that but they do and we are called to tell them and so we need to we need to do what peter said whenever god confronts us with something we've read his word today We've quoted it. It's in your today's scripture there. We just read it here. It's God's Word speaking. And Jesus said, Those who love me will obey my commands. And so it really brings us to a point. I I think we each have to evaluate ourselves. Do I love God? Am I obeying Him? Am I doing what He has said? I mean, it's here in black and white and red letters, of what Jesus said to do. A question I ponder for myself, I evaluate myself, I ask myself. But each one of us need to: Is do we believe Christ? We believe in Christ. Do we believe Christ? He said some tremendous things here, and we just kind of ignore it. He lets us get away with it, but a day of reckoning is coming. And so like Peter said, whatever truth you've been faced with today, God speaks to each one individually. He challenges you where you are and what He would have you do. And what He would have you do is probably different from the person in the pew next to you. We globally have the same task We individually have things God wants us to do. When we say no, we're disobeying, we're refusing, and we have to do what Peter said, repent. As we repent and turn from that and strive to do differently, the Holy Spirit, in effect, rebaptizes us and dwells us afresh Tops off the glass and empowers us to do what we've said. And we need to do that each and every morning. Lord, help me do what you would have me to do. Each night we say, Lord, I messed up again. I blew my top. I threw a little latitude. I. I went my own way when i knew i should not thank you for your forgiveness lord and then in the morning we wake up afresh lord help me face a new day with your holy spirit that's being a christian that's obeying god and when we do that then we'll see heaven pour out To me, so much of it is so logical, and I don't know why we can't transfer it. You may have been an uh, employer. You may have been a supervisor with people under your charge. And you would have people who would do what they're told. If you're lucky, they did it with a smile and asked for more. And then you had some that begrudged everything, complained all along the way are some that managed to hide around the corner which one would you bless if you had the opportunity who would get the bigger raise come that annual evaluation if you rewarded incompetence you got a problem most of us would recognize we reward competence we reward those who follow the policies, who do what they're hired to do. God has called us to do a task, and He's ready, waiting, wanting to reward obedience. We want to see people come to know Christ. God has said, they'll come as you tell them. We need to tell them. We need to set aside pride we need to set aside fear cause the Holy Spirit will protect us, lead us, guide us, give us the words and share our story so that others will have a story and their name will be a new name in glory Mark's going to come and lead us in our closing hymn you are being challenged with something from God Yes, I'm challenging you through my words. My words, I pray, come from the Word of God. That's what I want to present to you. But God is speaking to your heart. He's he's trying to tell you about an attitude that isn't quite right. He's trying to tell you about something He said to do and you didn't do it. And He's wanting you to respond obediently to Him. So whatever that is, that's what this time is for. It's not necessary to come forward, although I'm here to pray with you, to help you. If you need to accept Christ as Savior, we're here to walk you through that. If you need a church home where the Gospel is preached, doing our dead level best to do that, we want you here with us. Whatever it is, if God's just saying, remember that, that you said, Do that as we stand and sing. Let's sing.